On the Record with Gavin Riley. Brought to you by PwC on News Talk. That is uh, Tattoo by Lorene, uh, which was the winner of last night's Eurovision Song Contest. Uh, four minutes past 12 this Sunday lunchtime. Gavin Riley with you on News Talk for the next hour. Uh, Lorene, who becomes the second person after Johnny Logan to have won the Eurovision Song Contest twice as a performer, and Sweden now joining Ireland uh, as having won the contest seven times outright, which now, of course, was a record previously held by Ireland standalone and now a joint record. It certainly seems that whatever. Ireland is doing Eurovision wise is not really cutting the mustard and whatever Sweden is doing uh, seems to really be pushing people's buttons a lot more than certainly anyone else is doing so let's talk about that what is Sweden doing that Ireland could or what have Sweden cracked that the rest of us are still cotton on to well uh, Philip O'Connor is a freelance journalist who's based in Stockholm and he's with us on the line uh, Philip first of all d- did you stay up because I mean uh, to be fair it's after midnight when it finishes where we are but it's after one o'clock in the morning where, where you were did you stay up for the whole thing I did, Gavin. I didn't watch many of the performances, so I tuned in at the end for the voting. You know the way they do this recap where you get 10 or 15 seconds of each song, mm. and that's pretty much all I can manage. But uh, the voting is always exciting, and it's absolutely impossible to avoid the Eurovision Song Contest in Sweden for weeks leading up to it. All you get is Loreen, Loreen, Loreen. What are Norway doing? What are Finland doing? What are Denmark doing? And then, of course, you know they're very, very happy with themselves today now that Loreen has won for a seventh time. Mm. So um, what's, what's the... the st- secret then is that sort of massive public excitement part of us or or, you know with with a bit of familiarity about what we do and what, what they do what are they doing differently I, I think they see this as being an absolutely huge thing. The Eurovision here is not one night every year, Gavin. It's actually an industry. It's a way of getting through the cold and dark Swedish winters, right? So the way Lorene was chosen, she was chosen from one of 28 songs. And those 28 songs competed over four Saturday nights from the 4th of February onwards. Some went directly to the final and more went to a semi-final. So there was six set-piece events on six separate Saturdays here. Mm. And that really sort of built up uh, the whole sort of the excitement around the whole thing and ensured that the best song uh, was chosen and ensured that the entire nation, uh, the population is 10 million, over three and a half million would have watched the final where Loreen won the Swedish song contest called Melody Festival. And so yeah. it's absolutely, it's an industry and songwriters, musicians, performers like Loreen, this is, the, you know, this is their bread and butter. And even the 27 artists who didn't make it, they're going to be performing now in people's parks throughout the summer. So I think if Ireland wants to get back to, you know, our previously unthreatened position of being the tops of the Eurovision, we need to learn a lot from the Swedes do and put a lot of more work, a lot more work into what we do mm. around okay which which echoes actually a point that had been made by the the entertainment writer Amy O'Connor who I saw observing during the week that wild youth song in the Irish charts featured for one week I think around number 92 or 93 and then the following week it had dropped out of the top 100 and if we weren't excited about our song it's very difficult to presume that anyone else would be which I think was was a very stage point um you you've also been making some observations though about how much more easy it is to make music in Sweden and you think that, that plays a part too yeah, music is very accessible here, Gavin. So, you know, as a young person, as a child here, I rented a fiddle for one of my kids and she started to learn. The lessons were extremely cheap. The fiddle cost peanuts for each term that she had it. So everything is very accessible. There's studios, there's probably a recording studio that's run by the local council or municipality or by a business on their behalf that you can get into for peanuts. There's a lot of kids making rap records here, making R&B records here. Only probably a half a kilometre from where I'm sitting, you could do that. So, you know, the advancements in computer software and that kind of thing makes it much easier easier to make music and not least every kid has a very basic grasp of music because they study it in school right so it's there they get to test out instruments they get to play a drum kit an electric guitar without having to lock themselves in the garage or in the bathroom with parents shouting at them because the apartment next door won't like it so it's very accessible to people from a very very young age
Okay, which is interesting because that's one thing that I think we are trying to address because I know there's the Music Generation program which aims to have a musical instrument given to every child in primary school. Although I think it's it's very it's not as usually as elaborate as drum kits. I think it's mostly ukuleles, but it's something that they're doing. And I know they're also looking at trying to upgrade libraries to include well, they've marketed them as podcast studios. They want there to be a sort of a basic talk radio space. But I suppose you could repurpose that as well. Um, so anything else? Then any other tips that we could take off Sweden, or is it, is it merely just a case of now that they've hit this vein of form that it's much easier? to ride the wave than trying to start it from scratch. Well, I think I've described them as the Manchester City of the Eurovision because if they're not, not going to win every year, they're there or thereabouts. I think we in Ireland need to understand what the Eurovision are looking for, what the juries are looking for and what the public vote is looking for. But the Swedes are also tremendously proud of their history, right? Sometimes we look down our nose at the Eurovision and Linda Martin, Johnny Logan, uh, Neve Kavanagh, who turned up last night, who won 30 years ago, right? But the Swedes actively celebrate that. Uh, Carola, like a really famous artist here, she tours year round to sold out houses. Bjorn Alve- from ABBA last night turned up there mm. and he has the ABBA Museum in the city centre here a hotel nearby so they really celebrate they actively celebrate their Eurovision heritage because like it or not this is what people in Germany want to listen to in France want to listen to in the Balkans and in Russia and all over the world as far as Australia and Israel want to listen to and I think if we embrace that and we see the opportunity that it provides for songwriters for performers for musicians because the Irish industry and God knows back in the day when I was a teenager I played plenty of music myself we really need that platform to put our Irish music out there. There's no reason why on music radio stations that there shouldn't be 50, 60, 70% of Irish music, but we need to come together both as audiences, as performers and songwriters and build the conditions to allow that to happen as they've done here in Sweden. Mm. Um, there was an observation made about the voting last night, which is that when it came to the jury votes from the, the juries around the continent, Sweden got 12 points from 15 out of the 37. But when it came to the public televote, Sweden didn't get deuce point from anybody. Now, there was lots of six and eights and tens, and maybe that, that's how you win it. Maybe that, that's actually the point, that you build broader consensus. But is there something to be read into the fact that they did so well from the juries but didn't seem to, to tickle the same fancies for the public vote? Uh, absolutely, Gavin. I think it's because the Swedes understand the modern music industry perhaps better than everybody, uh, anybody else. You look at Max Martin, the songwriter out of here. They know what international people, not just international listeners want, but what the business itself wants and sees as marketable. And who are the juries drawn from? They're drawn from music and they're drawn from broadcasting. It's people like themselves. And they're making music to appeal to those two constituencies. I think it's absolutely deliberate that that song last night by Lorraine was aimed, it was almost targeted at those people. They said, we will win the jury votes with a slick production, a slick performance, an artist that they recognise was a Eurovision pedigree. And then what we get from, from the general public, that's going to be the bonus that will get us over the line. Mm. And that's exactly okay. how it proved. It's almost cynical. And maybe that's the way to go if you want to keep winning these competitions. Yeah, maybe we need to, to harden up. Uh, Dogan says, it's possible that the juries are maybe less prone to regional block voting than the masses because maybe they tend to come from a more well-travelled background, including some in entertainment, which I think possibly uh, speaks to your point. Uh, a Noble Guardian regular contributor to the programme says uh, that it's pretty important to remember that absent Johnny Logan we'd only have four wins because of course Johnny wrote uh, My Way for, for Linda Martin or Why Me rather for Linda Martin in 1992 we need to recalibrate our massively overdeveloped sense of expectation and entitlement about the Eurovision is that a good point to finish on Philip that maybe that we've actually you forget how much of it is down to one person or one solid run and that we, we don't have the Eurovision culture we might like to think we do 
Do you know what, Gavin? I think we just have to get back to being ourselves. The Swedes have imported modern music. Going back to the Beatles, going back to Chuck Berry, that kind of thing. They put their own slant on it and they gave it back to the world. They did that through ABBA, through the Cardigans, through Lorene, and they've really managed to create something that's unique and that appeals to other people. ABBA, 50 years on, people are still going to listen to those songs today because it's a Eurovision weekend. And if we in Ireland could do that, because we've done that as well with our own band, embracing our own heritage, taking the best things from outside and putting a uniquely Irish slant on it. And I think rather than trying to pretend that we're like the British or that we're like the Swedes or like the Norwegians no no let's just do our own thing because that's what Johnny Logan did so well what Linda Martin did so well what Neve Kavanagh did so well and maybe if we can do that and stop sort of, you know, following all the trends and do something of our own I think that's going to appeal to both the juries and the listeners around Europe and around the world Food for thought and maybe we might take it on board before we then find ourselves in a moral panic next May as to why we're still not managing to land much of a punch uh, Philip O'Connor thanks for joining us this lunchtime Philip O'Connor uh, who had a late night watching Noreen win the seventh Eurovision uh, for Sweden uh, last night joining us from Stockholm this lunchtime On the Record with Gavin Riley Sunday morning at 11 Brought to you by PwC Great minds think unalike Different skill sets diverse opinions it all adds up to the new equation On News Talk